Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing in the backcountry. All right, welcome to episode number 43 of the Fish Untamed podcast. This episode is a deep dive into the art of bamboo rod building, and it was originally supposed to be just me and Derek Sheehan, um, but last minute he told me that he actually roped in his mentor uh, who taught him to build fly rods, Ron Barch. So uh, I actually had both guests on at the same time in this episode, and they just walked me through uh, every aspect of bamboo rod building from uh, a stalk of bamboo to a finished fly rod. And I was just blown away by their ability to walk me through such a complicated process um, over our call. So uh, I'll go ahead and wrap things up there, but we can hop right over to my chat with Derek and Ron. Well, if you guys are ready to get started, we can dive right in. I'd, I'd love to hear how, um, I guess, both of you met each other and how you both got into bamboo. I know you said that Ron um, kind of started started you on your journey, Derek, but um, like, how, how'd you get your start, Ron, and how'd you guys meet each other? Well, I called him, and so I had been building building fly rods, graphite fly rods, and, and uh, fiberglass since the 90s, and so I got about a dozen of them back there, and um, when I, I, when I was living in Montana as a graduate student, so I went to Montana State University in Bozeman. It's a terrible place to live for six years, um, especially if you're a fly fisherman. Oh, my God. That's what I hear. But anyway, so I was building these fly rods, and somehow I, I, I got to finding about bamboo, and I never really grew up with bamboo. Um, you know, I always started off on, on graphite or, 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 or uh, probably more fiberglass when my dad buy me in cheapo you know uh i remember having a convertible uh uh was it a fenwick or a i don't know you could make it a spinning reel or a spinning rod or a fly rod that was a fenwick yeah and uh anyway now i used that for years but um anyway so i was building these fly rods and about every it's funny about every five years i would look up how to make bamboo fly rods and then i would say oh god that's just way too much and and then, but I found that there was classes in Montana or in Michigan you could take, you, you know, and you, you could take a week of vacation and show up in these places and you could build a rod in a week. And I never had the time. And, and that was back when I had, I had no, you know, no, no money or no time <laughs> to do either one of those. And so, um, so anyway, I had this kind of recurring five-year, um, I don't know, dream, I guess, you know, this idea that I build a fly rod and, and then the last occurrence was last November. And I found a different, uh, I just didn't find it the first time, but I found this forum online called classic, classic fly fishing or classic, uh, classic rod maker, classic rod makers. Uh, uh, it's a list server list forum. And 
I got on there as a new guy. I logged in and I and I got an account and I said, hey, new guy in Kalamazoo, you know, interested in bamboo fly rods. And this guy hit me right back, said, oh, call Ron Barch in, uh, in Hastings. And Hastings is 45 minutes from here. And so I did. I called up Ron and he said, well, yeah, can you build a rod? He laid out the, the deal and then you know, I went up to his shop and what, took about three weeks? Three or four weeks. You three, had one. three or four weeks and Six had, a, visits. had a fly rod. And uh, so I go up to Ron's shop and, and in after work and my kids are older, so I can get, I could do this. And uh, um, we did all the steps and then Ron would show me the, you know, like each piece of a, like the tip section of a fly rod has six pieces of bamboo. So once you learn how to tip, make one, then you got to make five more. I just identical to it. So Ron would show me how to make one. And then I go home, I'd bring all the stuff home and I'd make five more. And then I'd go up back to Hastings when I was ready for the next step. And so that's how we built this fly rod with me going back and forth. And actually I didn't tell Ron at the time, but I was building two and I built another one kind of behind it about two steps behind where we were. So, um, so when I got done with Ron, I actually had two rods. Mm -hmm. That's probably but, a good way to do it to kind of hammer in the in the knowledge that you're learning to uh, to do both at once. You know, and there's a lot of mu uh, muscle memory you have to learn because you have to keep the tools really you know parallel and and it's all that's ninety percent hand tools. I mean, there's one step that you use a well, that Ron taught me how to use a power uh, beveler, but that's just a rough bevel. But from then on, it's all it's all by hand. So uh, anyway. That was November. And then it's just, yeah, it kind of snowballed. And now I got planing forms into my basement and I got bamboo combs on the wall that are ready to be turned into fly rods and fly rods in progress. And yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to warn you now that I'm probably going to ask a lot of really stupid questions today because I've never, I've never even uh, handled a bamboo rod. <laughs> um, but I'm going to, I wanted to start with kind of a, a 30,000 foot view of uh, just like bamboo versus like before we get into the, into the actual nitty gritty of what goes into making one, what is like a good comparison between bamboo and let's say graphite or fiberglass? I know, I feel like a lot of people tend to associate it more with fiberglass just because of kind of the slower action, but I'm sure there's still a lot of, uh, differences, especially for somebody who's more experienced using a bamboo rod between that and glass. Um, but what's a good overview of, of bamboo compared to some of the other popular materials out there? Okay, the reason you want to use a bamboo fly rod is you catch bigger fish on lighter <laughs> And I can prove that physically. When do you lose a fish? You usually lose a fish on the hook set when he comes up and smashes the fly and you go to set the hook and he snaps you right off. The reason for that is graphite and fiberglass to some extent is much too fast and it wears out the fine tippet. So when we used to spend 59 cents for a liter, now we're spending $10 for a liter because they have to keep making them stronger and stronger because the fast graphite rods wear them out. Lefty Cray told me and he showed me how that a good angler can snap a fly off. Um, and that's what happens. Uh, so on the hook set, the cane, it's not softer, it's more forgiving. So you s set the hook and the fish shakes his head and he doesn't break off as often. Uh, the other reason, especially for guys my age, <laughs> is casting a bamboo fly rod is easier on our shoulder and elbow because it flexes just like a tree. Like those uh, Colorado aspens in a windstorm, <laughs> the way they flex while the elk are running away, uh, <laughs> a cane rod does the same thing. Now, the other thing that's nice about cane or split bamboo is that you can design a taper any way you want. If you want it fast, short, medium, long, uh, for brook trout, for steelhead, for salmon, uh, carp. <laughs> I know guys that go carp fishing with dry flies and a cane rod. <laughs> yeah, well, Hemingway used to catch tuna on bamboo. That's so, right. I mean, so um, they're strong. The other reason that, that I like a split bamboo fly rod in terms of investment, you buy a graphite or a fiberglass rod and the next day it's worth half as much. You buy a good cane rod from a good rod maker and the next day it's worth a little more. It's mm -hmm. a long term investment. It's, uh, it's better with age. 
Yeah, you got it. <laughs> we were just measuring a rod that a friend of mine got from uh, inherited from his uncle that was we think is pre World War II. Yeah, probably and, made in the late 30s. And you could take it out and fish it today mm -hmm. if you wanted. You could we could string it up right as it sits and go fish it. Yeah, that's a that's actually something I was wondering. Is I and I and I'm not too familiar with how uh, graphite and fiberglass, but graphite in particular has progressed over the years. But I would assume that bamboo rods uh, are still probably being made in a very similar way. I mean, it's the same material as it's always been. I assume so. You know, whereas if you were to grab a, a graphite rod from back when they were first invented, would you notice a bigger difference between a graphite rod of that age and a modern day graphite rod um, versus a bamboo an old bamboo rod? and a newer bamboo rod. Like, are, are they fairly similar? Has the technology progressed that much in bamboo or is it is it pretty much the same as it's always been? Nope, the, the, and some people may take offense at this, <laughs> but after I've looked at a few thousand rods from pre-1900 to what we're making today, the rods that we're making today are better than the classics because we have better glues, adhesives, better varnishes, uh, the cane is really, really good. The Orvis company used to use a lot of their cane uh, to stoke the fire with. <laughs> they might order 100 sticks of cane and get to use 10. Now, if I order 100 sticks of cane, I get to use 98 of them. Uh, well, things are much better today. Uh, the nickel silver hardware that we have, the guides, uh, the real seats, they're all just a cut above. I'm, I'm trying to think of the fella that makes rods in Denver. His name will come to me. There's a guy that, that makes absolutely wonderful fly rods in the Denver area. This guy in Longmont or in Loveland that makes fly rods too. Yeah, there's that guy. Uh, but his rods are just out of this world, top notch. And he's a, he's a neat guy because he helps people make fly rods. Uh, so, you know, look online, check around the Denver area. There's some really good fly yeah, Maybe fly in a month you'll be, you'll be fishing your own yeah. bamboo fly rod if yeah. you go down that road. Yeah. Watch out. Well, well I got to save up first. <laughs> you look me up and, and uh, I'll have a sweetheart for you. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that actually brings me to um, one of my other questions. It's kind of just a random one I, was, I wanted to throw in here before I forget. It, in terms of, so I know bamboo rods are, are usually quite an investment, but uh, if you if you break a tip on a, a bamboo rod, like if you, or I guess maybe I should start off somewhere else. If you break a tip on a graphite rod, you can just buy the blank that, that matches that rod. Um, for bamboo, are, are you able to match it to, you know, your rod or? I just make a new section and glue it on, scarf it on. And I cover it with white silk. And when I varnish the white silk, nobody can see the the replacement part. Okay, so you can you can effectively make a new tip for a bamboo rod. It's it's not like you have to have all the pieces coming from the same the same stock and fit it together just right or anything like that. It depends on the craftsman. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I wish I was. There is a group in North America. There's about a dozen of them who just know stuff that I don't know. And I, I got involved in this in about 1985. And I've been involved in probably 600 rods. I've taught a couple hundred people how to make rods. I've worked with women's programs, Project Healing. I've worked with kids. Uh, but there's a group of about 10 guys that just know stuff that I don't understand. One of the fellows is, is out in, the, I think, Washington State. His name is Bob Clay. He makes these huge bamboo rods and he catches phenomenal salmon and steelhead on them. I've and heard he, that name before. Yeah, Bob Clay. Um, he's, he's just, he's top notch. And uh, there's about a dozen guys like that in North America and they just know stuff. <laughs> and uh, it, it, uh, Jim Reams out in California is another fella. And he's just the nicest guy in the world, but his rods are worth three grand if they're worth a penny. And they, they just know something that I haven't learned yet. And one of the nice things, we almost lost the bamboo rod making craft because uh, fiberglass and graphite started taking over after World War II. And it was in, the, in about the late 80s, early 1990s, a group of guys out in the British Columbia, Washington area started sharing information. And from that, that area, I think it's called the Olympic Peninsula. Um, mm -hmm. 
Ron Gould and those guys. Yeah, I got to meet some of those guys and I, I helped start a newsletter and people from all over the world were started to share information. <clears throat> and that uh, the newsletter was called The Planing Form and we were able to save the craft. And now there's rod making gatherings all over the world uh, and we're making really, really good rods. And uh, I still use my first rod that I made and I, I completed my first rod that I could put my name on in 1990 and I still use it. And I've, I've made extra tips for it because I got clumsy and broke one. But yeah, that's the nice thing. You break a graphite rod and you, you're stuck. But if you break a, a bamboo rod, you can you can replace it. You can repair it. Okay. So I, I know you guys mentioned the the tapers, and one of the nice things being that you can kind of customize that taper to what you're looking for. Um, and I assume what you're referencing here is just that if, you, if you're building, I guess maybe assembling is the right word for building a normal rod, um, putting it together. You're you're kind of stuck with the blanks you get. I mean, you could probably shop around and get different blanks, but you're kind of stuck. Yeah, they have determined the taper that 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 rod right. is. Right. So when you buy a, an Orvis Helios rod, it, they've decided that all oh, those Helios rods are going to have this taper and they build a big steel mandrel, you know, a set of steel mandrels that they roll the graphite on and they all come out the same. And and so as you go from maker to maker, you can the, the tapers subtly change. Right. One guy has a little different way. They go from the butt to the middle to the tip. Right. And that's all going to determine how the rod throws a line. Uh, is it a tight, is it a tight loop and that'd be a fast or is it a, an open loop and that'd be a little slower? Um, does, how does it flex? Does it flex all the way down through the cork mm -hmm. or does it just, or does the flex start somewhere above your hand? Mm -hmm. Most graphites, the flex actually starts above your hand somewhere. Uh, you know, a few inches, I don't know how far up, but you know, mm -hmm. I built a rod. My first rod I built was one that's actually designed to flex all the way through the handle. And when you hand it to someone who's never fished a bamboo fly rod and they're really used to graphite there, it's, it's very, it's, it's fun to watch because it's a completely different feel, mm -hmm. but, and, and, you know, but it does, it has, it has power. It, it shoots line like, like, like it's perfect, but it just feels a mm -hmm. lot different. And uh, so so yeah, so when you're built, so when you buy a, a bamboo or excuse me, a, a, a fiberglass or a, you know, that's why I always tell people to go to a shop and try all the rods because they're all different. Right. The taper might just not work with your particular form when you cast. Everyone has a, you know, so if, if everyone's an equal caster, that's a different subject for a different, different discussion, yeah. Yeah. but you know, you really can't be a, a bad caster and be a good uh, uh, connoisseur of fly rods. You you know how to learn how to cast so that you can learn the nuances of these different tapers, mm -hmm. right? And and the nice thing with the bamboo is that today I can I can set my equipment to make this taper today, and I can reset it and make another completely different taper tomorrow, and uh, and then come out you know with with two. Like I, I just have them right now, I have two seven footers in, in progress and they're going to be very different actions um, just night and day, but they're going to, they're going to throw a four weight line and they're, and they're both going to do that, but one, they're just going to feel different. And someone is going to like one more than they like the other. Doesn't mean it's bad. Um, it just means it fits their casting style. Sure. Uh, yeah. It's, I'm glad you've done your homework. You're asking all the right questions. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, you know your stuff. I, I needed to look up a little bit before we started, so I didn't just act like a fish out of water the entire time. <laughs> there's a rod maker from Michigan, uh, Paul Young, who started in Detroit and ended up uh, building rods up in Traverse City, Michigan. And he built a rod just for his wife, whose name was Martha Marie. And it's a classic seven and a half foot, five, six weight that is a perfect rod for a lady that likes to go out and catch big fish. Oh, that sounds just right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It's a five, six weight, seven and a half. And he designed it just for his wife and he named it the Martha Marie. I built one of those. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're rod. They're rod. Excellent rod. There's, uh, there's a lady that I know who lives in Aurora, Colorado, uh -huh. which is, it's near you. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty close. All right. Her name is Judy Miller. Her husband is Dennis Miller. Judy Miller outfishes everybody, all the guys with her bamboo fly rod. And we fish in, in Elmont, Colorado on the Taylor River. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, and she, she goes out there every day with a cane rod and takes a 20-inch or better brown trout. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that river's got some big fish in it. Yes, yes. You got to kind of get away from the crowds, though. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. do. Go get a hold of Judy Miller, look her up in Aurora, and uh, t- have her tell you about the Taylor River. Go All out right. there and fish it. It's great. <laughs> so, w- when you're using um, bamboo on some of these larger fish, are you basically choosing the same weight that you would with graphite, or are you changing uh, what weight you'd normally use to target some of these fish? It depends on the fish. Yeah. Uh, if I'm fishing fussy fish, I like an eight foot four weight. Uh, if I'm fishing salmon or steelhead, I like an eight and a half foot seven eight weight. Yeah. Um, or if you're in a brushy little creek, yeah. you're fishing a seven or six and a half or even a six mm-hmm. foot rod. You know, what's that cross silf? It's a, well, there's a, there's oh, a taper a that's a, foot. it's a seven foot seven, seven weight. weight, you know? So, I mean, just, be, you know, so you can do crazy things with the oh, bamboo. Here's, a, here's another lady's story. Uh, I don't, I don't mean to patronize you, but the cross silf, everybody tried to figure out why they would build a seven foot seven weight fly rod in, Eng- I think it was England, Scotland, something like that. And they discovered that it was a, ladies Atlantic salmon rod, short and powerful, because a lady can't handle a great big nine foot heavyweight rod. So this guy designed a seven foot seven weight for ladies that go Atlantic salmon fishing. Now, is this because bamboo just weighs more for the same length because it's not hollow, like graphite, like a graphite rod or a a glass rod? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the weight is really not that big of a deal. Uh, It has to do with all the kind of hardware you put on it. Um, if, if you take apart a graphite rod or just weigh all the components before you put it together, and then you weigh all the components for a, a, a bamboo rod, it's negligible. The weight of a rod isn't important. What's important is the balance. When you put the reel on, it should balance in your hand. Right. I guess I was just wondering because like, uh, you know, a nine foot graphite rod is not anything I would describe as heavy, but it sounds like this, this seven foot bamboo rod was seven feet because it was too hard to handle a nine foot rod, but obviously women don't have a problem handling a nine foot graphite rod. So oh, there's, no. there's gotta be some difference in the, the seven, why, why the bamboo needs to be seven feet instead of. No, it didn't have to. Cause they, cause they're all. So, so that, that cross self was just a, a, a rod that was design, built because they thought that the woman couldn't handle the larger same bamboo rods that the men were using. Oh, oh, not, not, I mean, obviously this is probably before graphite was invented, but it was, it was, right. it was a, an assumption, not a, right. an actual, you know, pra- I, I see. A little bit patronizing, but they said, oh, well, you're a woman and we're going to, you're going to, we're going to make you this smaller, shorter rod, but they're still fishing salmon. They're still fishing yeah. for big fish mm-hmm. and they're still fishing, you know, so they got to, it's got to handle, uh, you know, an Atlantic salmon. So, um, so they built this this really unique rod. I have not cast one yet. I but really it, you know, to, in the but... long, in the longer lengths, graphite has some advantage. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that no. bamboo is the best beat all end all way you should ever do it. You know, I mean, go fishing. You yeah. know, I mean, that's all I have to tell anyone. You know, just give, use whatever you got and and enjoy it. Um, you know. But if you get into the if you get into the craft and you get into the the hobby, you'll start collecting rods because that's what fishermen do. So we'll you know you'll you'll end up with a dozen graphite fly rods because I always used to tell my wife when we when I was buying them when I shouldn't that um, you know you don't go out hunting with an empty quiver or just one arrow. You've got to have a, you know a full quiver. Right, it'd be irresponsible <laughs> not to. So. <laughs> well, I'm allowed to have as many fly rods as my wife has shoes. There you go. Uh, <laughs> that's going to get me in trouble. Yeah, that's, okay. that's right. Don't, yeah, that one won't make it to the podcast. Um, so, but, so why are these rods, why do these rods tend to be shorter? I, I hear a lot of like, um, you guys are talking about like six feet to eight feet, it sounds like. You don't need to be that long. It's the feel. When, when you cast a bamboo fly rod... It's like listening to a classical guitar. Or, or if you take a wooden classical guitar, you can play all kinds of music on it. Um, just like a violin. 
you know, you can play bluegrass on a violin and call it a fiddle, you know, or you can, you can, you know, play classical stuff from Europe. Um, it's, it's all in the feel of the rod. And I can't feel modern graphite the way I can feel casting. A lot of times I'll fish at night and you can't see what's going on. It's all about how, how you, how you feel the cast. Uh, especially in Michigan when we get our hex hatch. Uh, sometimes the fish don't start rising until 11, 11.30 at night and it's pitch dark and, and you hear them, but you don't see anything. And the you have to feel what the rod's doing and, and feel the line. Okay. And are you, uh, are you guys kind of coming up with your own tapers or is, are there like patterns that you're going off of uh, to, you know, are, are you going in saying, I'd like a rod like this, and you can look up kind of a pattern to get that taper you're looking for, or are you kind of inventing these on the fly as you go? There's only one taper that I have designed that I call my own, and my, my fellow craftsmen will admit that this is my design, and it's called the Barch 88, uh, and I copied it off of that cross silf rod, <laughs> 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 and I fish, I fish a small river which is heavily wooded out of a drift boat. So it's short casts to big fish. And I fish for smallmouth bass and pike and every once in a while a muskie. And I have to have a short, powerful rod that throws a big fly that handles big fish. And this rod will do that. And it took me years to come up with the design. And I finally thought, well, I'm going to break the rules and design this thing. So that's the only taper that I've designed. Everybody else steals all the other tapers. Yeah, um, we were, you can take a, mic, a set of micrometers and you can measure a, 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 the taper on a fly rod. We were just doing that. We were just measuring an old Powell rod that, that a friend of mine got from his uncle uh, just to see what the taper was mm -hmm. like. What is, you know, what, how's this rod put together? And and so I could now, I have the numbers. So I have all my numbers here. <laughs> oh yeah, there's my camera. Anyway, um, and I could set my planing form and I could make that rod, uh, you know, that was made sometime before World War II. See, that's the nice thing about being able to custom build fly rods. Uh, a friend of mine, John Bacino, that guides on the Taylor River and the East River out there in Almont. Uh, I fished with him, oh, three or four years in a row. And then he said, I, I want a cane rod. Will you build me one? And I watched how he cast and the kinds of flies he used and the water he fished. So I took two or three designs and combined it into an eight foot, five, six weight rod. And he fell in love with it. So uh, if you know what a guy wants, you can build a rod for him. Okay. So you're kind of taking taking the ingredients and putting them together into your rod. Like you, you can go out and find the information you're looking for and kind of tweak it as needed or combine it as needed. Um, but you do have something to start with. You know, you've got you've got a, a template there, to, to begin. There's databases that are available out there. Um, there's almost there's several. There's probably a dozen books that are pretty available mm -hmm. on rod building, and they all have tapers in them. They have you know tables of different mm -hmm. rods in them. And, uh, and like I said, there's online databases that we can use. There's a program that I use called Rod DNA that, that I really like. Um, there's another online program called HexRod, which you can, it's got all kinds mm -hmm. of, it's got a huge database of tapers in it. And then you can graph them and you can see what the, so you graph the, the width of the rod versus where it is on the length. If zero is the tip and you measure from the tip down to the butt. And so you can graph right? The thickness of that rod and you can see how that slope changes in line, or maybe there's a flat spot or a steep spot. Um, and so you can, you can, uh, you can do a lot of analysis. You can, you know, a lot of these rod makers, it's interesting are engineers. And, and Ron was saying that, that, you know, that, that the craft was on the verge of going away because no one shares in mm. the old rod making world. Um, because they had to make their own machines, their own beveling machines by scratch, from scratch to make their rods. So Powell and, and, and Edwards and all these old, Orvis, Winston, Payne, yeah. all these people, um, when they were making their rods, it was, it was, that was their trade secret was how they made their rods. And, and, they, and they closely guarded their, their secrets. And, uh, and there's some, if you 
there's some books out there that go into history of this. And they, it's interesting because there is some crosstalk and this guy worked in this shop and then he moved to that shop and the rods changed and, you know, and all these things. But it was really cloistered into those really, really small, you know, almost family units. And it was only, you know, recently when, when now it's, it's much, it's, it's, it's now the opposite. Everyone, you know, opens the door and just here, make, they'll show you how to, how they do it. Um, on my you know. website, aldercreekangling.com, there's a whole series of articles that talk about how rod tapers and designs have changed over time. And there's a, a series of books in there, uh, back issues of the newsletter that I published. Um, so the information is out there. And because it's a small craft, I, th I think there's probably six to 900 people in the world that know how to make a bamboo fly rod. And that varies from time to time. But the information is out there and most of it is legitimate. And if somebody puts something like online that's not valid or true, 10 guys will uh, correct that. Jump, jump on it to stop it. Yeah, I, I get the impression that this, especially you know when you mentioned that it was almost going to die out there for a little bit, that this is something that... Uh, is, is really best taught in person. Like it, the people who would be learning, it would be learning it from almost as like an apprentice to somebody who was a, a master at the craft versus, um, you know, just picking up a book that's like bamboo rod building 101, you know, um, am I correct in that assumption that it, it, it was kind of, ha it had to be passed from person to person. And that was what was kind of causing it to die out. Yes. Well, you would do what I did. You would travel and, you know, apprentice with the, with the master and work in their shop and, learn the craft, right? I mean, well, and uh, that's a, when I started, people wouldn't tell me how to do it. But these craftsmen in the Michigan and, and uh, uh, Chicago area, they would answer my questions. But it took forever to come up with the right question. Right. You don't know which part you messed up. If it doesn't work out. <laughs> so but over time, um, I learned how and then some fellows in Chicago wanted me to teach a group and a fishing club and from, you know, and that spread from one thing to the, to another. And, uh, probably the, the best instruction that I've ever done and was the most rewarding is when I worked with Project Healing Waters. We worked with wounded veterans and taught them how to build fly rods. And it was, it was life changing for the vets and it was life changing for the instructors. Yeah, I, I spoke to um, one of our local, uh, I think he was maybe the president of our local chapter uh, from Project Healing Waters, and he had mentioned that they do like fly tying and rod building, but I didn't realize that bamboo rods were included in that. I assumed it was uh, just putting together graphite rods. So that's that's pretty, well, pretty go cool. Go online and look up the old website, Bamboo Bend. Bamboo Bend was, was uh, the, the school that we started in Michigan. <laughs> well, if you know the guys from Project Healing Waters, you really are top notch. <laughs> well, I, I know one guy from Project Healing Waters. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> so, so after after clarifying there that uh, it's kind of important to learn it from somebody, why don't we dive in and do an audio version of how to build a bamboo fly rod? Um, but I guess just as an overview, um, you know, like we mentioned earlier, putting together like a graphite rod is really putting it together. You know, it, it does require skill for sure, but it you're getting the blanks, you're getting all the pieces and you're putting it together in the right way. Whereas bamboo, you're really crafting it from the ground up. Um, but I know that I know that there are different like, you know, I, I don't know if they're called facets, but the different the different portions that all go together to form one rod, um, either, you know, a, a hexagon shape or I think they come in different shapes. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the differences? Uh, you know, are there, you know, five-sided, six-sided rods? Um, what's the difference between those? And, and how do you come to that shape from a stock of bamboo? How, how does it become a rod? Bamboo rods over time have been made in lots of different shapes. Uh, there's people in Europe that have made them in 12 and 10-sided. There's a guy in Europe now making them in three. In three, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the true triangle. Uh, the, the standard is the six-sided rod, and that's because it's easy to make. Yeah, you got to remember your geometry. So a hexagon is made up of six equilateral triangles. But I'll meet in the middle at, at the point, right? They're all the same. The length, the length of each side of the triangle of each of the six that make up the hexagon is the same, right? So 
now you go to a four piece, a four sided rod, they're different. Now you have a right triangle and you have two short sides, one long side. And then if you have a five sided rod, you have a triangle that's totally different yeah, on all right. sides and all angles. And very and, difficult to make. And so you have to, so you have to have equipment that will set those angles for you. And, um, and so that's what some of the guys actually, you know, I was thinking this guy Edwards is famous for making quad quadrate rods, they call them four sided rods as, as far back as the forties. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you know, and he, he had to build a machine to, to make, to make those strips to come together as a force, you know, as a square cross section instead of a hexagonal cross section. I um, think I, I could uh, summarize it by saying the six sided rod is an all around rod. The four sided rod is more accurate, but more difficult to cast. And the five sided rod is, is uh, for the individual that is different. <laughs> <laughs> so when you fish, right, when you're casting, when you're on a water, right, you can back cast yeah. and forward cast the same. So if you could, you know, if you were casting and then you see a fish rise over there, it's pretty easy to roll it out. You're casting here, you false cast, then you just shoot it that way, right? Sure. To get yep. that fish. If you had a four-sided rod, that might be a little more difficult because you might be fishing. If you think about a, tr a square. It can't right? flex in the same plane, I would assume. It has exactly to. Right. Exactly right. Exactly so if you're, exactly if you're right. fishing, you got the, you're fishing this one plane and then that might not be on a really good plane. So that might be a tough, that might feel really weird to do. I see. And, so, so can you almost like turn at a right angle or straight, but you can't really like angle it toward the, toward the, basically the corner of the rod. Is that what kind of throws it off? It's been different. It's going to be different and i've never really cast one so i couldn't i can't really speak to it and i know people who, who love four-sided rods and people love five-sided rods and people i mean we can get the thing called a morgan hand mill which will allow you to make these funky strips but um but for the most part the hexagon is going to cast the same in six directions and if you think about it that's going to cover you know most most of what you're trying to aim at notice going when, when you're in between right you're not going to really notice that sure and it's going to be really even. And as if if you are fishing a small um, freestones creek where it's where it's fast water, uh, a four sided rod has an advantage because it's it's quick, it's accurate. Um, where if I'm fishing like the Latour in Pennsylvania, uh, a spring creek, slow water, or the Asable. A six-sided rod that's more delicate with finesse might be the way to go, or a five-sided rod might be the way to go. So it depends on the kind of water you're fishing and and the kind of rod that you're using. And what you want. Some guys just want it. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's like some guys are Chevy guys, some guys are Ford guys. I mean, why? You know, they're all trucks. So at the end of the day, these are all fly rods. They all cast a line. Um, you know, but what we're assuming though is we're assuming that that these are the the, the proficiency of the casting is the same, right? So you really, to really understand, I think fly rods, you really have to have, bring your casting game up um, so that you can, so that you can um, feel these nuances. Cause if you can't really tell the difference, well, you know, cause your casting isn't consistent or isn't, isn't up to snuff, then, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of moot. Yeah. And there are particular rod designs for particular geographic areas. The kind of rod that I would use out in Colorado is completely different than the kind of rod I would use here in Michigan, or if I was fishing the Catskills or the Adirondacks. Uh, and the rods that they make up in the Olympic Peninsula in Northern California, they're just powerful, powerful rods because the steelhead that they have that come out of the ocean are a whole lot different than the steelhead we have here. Ours fight pretty well, but the ones out there need a bigger, more powerful fly rod. And guys, Bob Clay know how to make those. So kind of just like any rod in that, you know, you need to cater the rod to what you're doing. There's the, it, it almost sounds like the, the six-sided rod is the equivalent of like the nine foot five weight. It's just the generalist. Uh, you can get by in most situations with it, but a lot of people then want to want to deviate out to get a rod that kind of fits their situation and their casting style and their preferences um, once they graduate from that. I would take that actually go a little deeper into that because I think, you know, this, 
the generalist rod is, you know, in a bamboo is a, what, an eight foot? I'd say five, seven eight, and a half, five, seven and a half foot, five, or eight, an foot, eight five. foot six. Yeah. Yeah. Or an eight, six. Mm -hmm. And, and um, that would, but, you know, when you start talking about geometry, you really start, that's the difference. I think when you're kind of getting into the rod snobs at that point, because, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's not a lot of people making those and they're really unique. Well, and you know, and it's, it's kind of like golf. I've never seen a guy go golfing with one club, you know, <laughs> they got to have a whole bag of them. <laughs> yeah. But I was just thinking, you're not going to go out and find a whole rack of four, four piece rods or four-sided four rods or a whole rack of no, you're not. five. So, so it's basically not as prevalent as like, for example, the nine foot, but what I was getting at was like the nine foot five weight is the all around, but then it's not uncommon to veer off that. Whereas it, it, it does seem like a little bit more uncommon to go into different geometries. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's just not a quite, quite a comparable thing because uh, yeah. a nine foot five is just kind of where everyone starts, but then almost everyone branches off from that. But uh, it sounds like not everyone really branches off the six-sided rod. That's kind of like the standard and, and unless you're getting into the, I know, exactly. <laughs> you know, you're already, you're already, you're already in the little tiny sliver of the circle of fly rods mm -hmm. talking about bamboo, right? 90% of the world is, is fiberglass and graphite, you know, 10 is bamboo. Well, okay. Now maybe 1% in there is quads and pentas, you know, mm -hmm. so we're talking a really, really specialized piece of equipment. Um, even in a bamboo, sense it's yeah. pretty specialized so but the whole key is you know go buy a, an outfit for a hundred bucks and go fishing exactly it's like the the, the first time i saw a uh, split bamboo fly rod i was fishing on the uh, lower manistee river in northern michigan and i had just bought state-of-the-art fiberglass a Philipson a Philipson swamp fox and i was so proud of it and i must have been about maybe 18 years old and there was this guy and he was, he had an English accent and he was dressed in tweeds and he was sitting on the bank and I went over and talked to him and I said, uh, well, why is your wooden rod so much better than mine? And he said, it isn't. I'm just more of a snob. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Yeah. I mean, you so, but, you know, there's pros and cons to it. But the, you know, the key is go fishing. And uh, bamboo, especially for guys my age, has a definite advantage. I fished uh, with a nine foot eight weight out in the Adirondacks uh, one year, and it was windy the whole week. And when I came back home, I had to go to the, the chiropractor and get my shoulder worked out. <laughs> and the guy said, don't ever come back if you're going to fish that rod again. Uh, <laughs> and that's when I really started taking... Uh, uh, split bamboo seriously because I can fish it all day in the wind and my shoulder isn't shot. So how does bamboo hold up in the wind? Like casting wise? Because I know you always hear, I know I keep comparing everything to graphite, but that's just because I, you know, that's what I have most experience with. It depends on the rod and, and the rod maker. You can change your rod's action by whether you put varnish on it or you impregnate it with some kind of oil uh, how you heat the cane before you start working it, uh, what bamboo comb you select. I have some combs sitting in the corner of my shop that I'm only going to use for big, powerful steelhead rods, uh, something I might take out to Alaska. Um, so there's there's a lot of, you know, things that you put into it. So you can change the action without changing the taper. There's other things that you can uh, do to the rod to change the action. Yeah. Okay. Where you put the where you put the guides, how much thread you want to do. The more you put on a rod blank, the more you slow it down. Yeah, that's why you don't see a lot of fancy thread wraps usually on fly rods. Yeah, because you know you don't want to add any more weight onto that onto that system, and it just it's just gonna gonna take yeah. energy away from your cast. Uh, what what are the pieces called that you you fit together to make the uh, the hexagon? Like what are the, what what is each triangle strip called? A strip. A strip. Okay. How, how do you make those? You hand. Well, so yeah, you, well, you start with a piece of bamboo and you, you cut it down. I'm let Ron keep going. I'm going to get some, I'll show you. You I start with a bamboo comb, which just looks like a big old pole, but it's grass. And if it's old enough, I like my, my bamboo combs to be at least five years old so that they're dry and I can split them with a knife. 
just like you split uh, firewood for the fireplace. You split it into six pieces, then you split it into 12 pieces. And if you want a, uh, a two-tip rod, then you need 18 pieces. And you can split it with a knife. You can split it with a sharpened screwdriver. Uh, That's bamboo. So... All right, so it's 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 uh, thicker than I expected. Just, so just because people won't be able to see this, um. it is thicker. It is thicker, and this piece of bamboo cross-sectional thickness looks about a quarter of an inch or so. When you when you make the triangle, you're only making it from the top portion of the bamboo. So actually, most of that's going to go away when you make your triangles. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a piece of bamboo and you look at the ends, and I'm I know you're you're. Listeners aren't going to see this, but you see it looks darker on the outside and it's kind of yeah. white on the inside. Mm -hmm. So the darkness comes from the power fibers. That's what gives the rod all of its strength, all of its, that's what allows a bamboo to, to flex. Okay. And so it's the edge of the bamboo that you're, you're basically taking pieces out of that edge to then form into the, the triangle strips that you'll put together into a solid rod. Right. Yeah. And when you see a when you see a bamboo fly rod, you're looking at six pieces of bamboo and you're looking at the outside of the, of that each of the each of the facets of that six-sided rod is the outside of the bamboo, and so so you take a piece of bamboo like that, and then you you split it, you know, until you get a whole bunch of these things. Now, how are you smoothing out all of these imperfections? <laughs> with files, with scrapers, with sandpaper, uh, with sharp razor blades. <laughs> Any, it, it's it's the sharpness of the steel. And it, everybody does it a little bit different. Yeah. And like this one is interesting. If you see here, just right below my finger, there's a leaf node. There's a, there's a groove in the middle of that strip. That's where a leaf came out. And so the leaf grew out of this on the bamboo. And so I can't use this piece. <laughs> so when you're, when you're looking at bamboo, you know, I can use above or below this, but I can't, I, it's going to really limit of what I can do with this piece of bamboo. So not all the strips you get out of a, out of a, out of one of these, out of a pole is useful. Um, so, so you're kind of splitting it down and then taking the best pieces of that that you can work with. And even though there will be imperfections that you need to work out, uh, you're trying to find the, the ones that require the least amount of, of um, sanding and, and shaving down in order to get that rod between a Chevrolet and a Pontiac or a Buick, you know, you can start with a good solid basic fly rod, but the more time you put into it, the stronger, uh, the more cosmetically pleasing it'll be. There's field grade rods and, and then there's, you know, the really pretty ones. Now does the, the cost, I know the, there's definitely a reputation of bamboo as being a, a more expensive rod. Is that mostly from the labor that goes into making one? Um, yeah. Because the, it's not a machine just churning out blanks and then being assembled. It's every rod is just being made by hand from, from scratch. Or is it the, the cost of the materials or is it both? Uh, the, the, the cost of materials is pretty similar, but it's the way the people put them together. Uh, pretty costs money. That's my wife's comment again. Um, <laughs> Color and pattern. A friend of mine yeah. has a flint napper. He makes arrowheads out of flint, and uh -huh. he, you know, like in, like the you know old American Indian way or Aboriginal way to make. And when people look at or buying rocks, he's always says pattern and color. That's all mm -hmm. they're after is you know what is the what is the pattern and what is the color. Anyway, this piece this piece here has been flamed, so it's going to be dark. It's going to make a dark fly rod. And then the nodes have been worked. So that node has been flattened and on both sides. And then this has actually been cut to length. And then I've been working on straightening this. So how do you straighten them? Because I uh, imagine you, it's rare to come across one that's straight. <laughs> well, you heat it with a heat gun and you gently bend it. So there's, there's things inside called uh, lignin. And when you heat it, it goes soft. So you can do whatever you want. For example... There's a fellow out, out in, in the Denver area, I can't remember his name again, but he made a hat band out of bamboo. He kept heating and turning and turning, and it was a beautiful, gorgeous split bamboo hat band. <laughs> Do you need to wet it at all, like other wood, or does it, is it just heat? You just heat it. You get it if you it. get it over about 250 degrees, yeah. the, the lignin between the power fibers yeah. softens, and then you can 
bend it. So if it's got a bend going one way, I can heat it and bend it back the other way and then start straightening it out. So you're working bend by bend. It's not like you just take each end and, you know, bend the whole thing and it's straight. You're going each little kink in it. You have to straighten out. Go down this. You're going to go down this, this, this. I'm trying to look at the camera here. You're going to go down the length of this guy and work the kinks out. Sweeps, I'm not so worried about. I'm worried about kinks. Okay, so, the actual turns in the... Uh... Yeah, the sweepy bend, we, that, that'll that that'll take care of in another step. But I don't want any kinks. So there's like a kink right here. I can see it. But And so I would get, I'd work that bend out. And that's where 90% of the, of the work is actually getting to a, 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 getting your strip straight because any mistake here is just going to carry through to the end. And then, and then you end up with, um, so this is straight now and look how small it is. This has been tapered. So it's, yeah, it's small. a lot smaller than the last piece you held up and it gets, it gets thicker at this end. So now if you look at it, I don't know why it's got that funny bend in it anyway. So the top of the bamboo is up, but now we're all power fibers. It's all dark. I don't know if you can see that on the camera, but so all the pithy stuff that you saw on those, on that, uh, on that solid bamboo pole, we've, we've planed it away. And with my planing form, I've, I've generated this, this, uh, uh, the taper here. So you get six of these exactly the same. And that taper of this strip is what determines the taper of the rod. So how do you get them to be basically exactly the same? If you're working with different kinks and different nodes and different Basically, I'm sure every strip is a little bit different, um, and you're gonna have to work them down. So even if you were to, you know, make them the same size at the start, but then you're working with them, um, do they not end up like wildly different from one another once you've worked out all the issues? There's a, a metal planing form, which is adjustable, and once you adjust this metal form, the bamboo sits in it, and you hand plane it. And because this form is set, then you can make six exactly the same the form has got a little triangle recess in it so it's got two 30 degree sides that come down and then we can we can vary the the depths right of that and so you got to think you got to think geometry so you got to put on your math hat i'm sorry i know it's it's hard uh it took me a long time to figure it out too but um Essentially, you, that triangle inside the form is what we're making. So this this strip will sit inside the form, and then we plane away all the stuff on that that's sitting that's sitting high. So then I'll turn it over, and I'll and I'll keep doing. I'll go back and forth, and I'll flip it, flip it, flip it, flip it, and I'm always planing off the inside because remember I don't want to take these power fibers. So this there's one side of the triangle that's that I never touch with the plane, which is the outside of the of the that outside part of from the uh, pole, and anyway, so you if your if you if your form is set right, what you're doing is it, the bamboo sits there, and some like I said, some bamboo sits above the form, and your plane then comes along and shaves it off, and eventually you run your plane down, and you're not taking off any more bamboo. It's all down in that groove, and that then is all of this was sitting down in that groove, and I planing away the stuff that was standing up. So then the next one, once once that one's also down in the groove only, you'll basically have the, the exact two same shapes because right. there's nothing I'll else to shape off. So you plane one at a time. And so then I'll take another piece and I'll, and, uh, and so the, the form never changes in between all the strips so that you get all identical strips. Now, once you have the, the rod itself put together, is adding the external equipment fairly similar to building another rod? Like if you were to put, you know, putting the real seat on, putting the guides on, um, exactly. I know you said exactly it's the same. easier because you have a big flat that you put all the guides on the same flat and you're just not trying to put them onto a round. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Graphite, you're just running them down a flat. And it's actually kind of like if you put a bunch of, of, uh, fiberglass rods together the first time you do a bamboo rod you're like oh this is easy yeah <laughs> it's probably easier to line them up too because you don't you, you've got the flat to follow that you could just exactly. as long as they're all in the same flat they're probably all pretty much lined up if you haven't messed up and twisted it somewhere in the process it's <laughs> i always tell people when i start a class it's easy to make a, a good bamboo fly rod it's hard to make it look good um that's that's the tough part the cosmetics the, the silk wraps, the tipping, 
the varnish job, you know, selecting yeah. good cork, you know, a, a good a good ring of cork, one three one bucks. piece of cork can cost two, three, four dollars. So, you know. Um, yeah, so it's just like, so I just, this is the last one I built. So this is just like, you know, like another fly rod, right? I mean, it's all the same. But that's a modern um, bamboo fly rod. It has modern components. Yeah. So this is this hasn't even been fished. I've even put a line on this no. yet. So uh, I'm taking it out to the yard because it started snowing here and getting gross. Um, and so I haven't even put a line on this on this. But it's it's exactly the same. You know, you make the handles exactly the same way. You you know everything else is is exactly. Uh, if anyone who has made a, a fiberglass or or a, uh, or, or graphite. As a, matter, as a matter of fact, you can buy some, some people will sell you a bamboo blank. That's kind of what I was wondering. So it sounds like bamboo rod building is essentially building bamboo blanks. And then you put it together the same way you would using other blanks. I sell blanks for $300. And if people take their time, they end up with a $1,500 fly rod. Yeah. Well, I like the and, sound of that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, uh, you know, the, the sad thing is, is that it's, I mean, how many hours do you think are in a fly rod? I mean, I probably got a hundred hours in this, the fly yeah. rod. And out of that hundred hours, maybe three of it was putting on the handle, putting on the real seat and putting on the guides. And that's the part that everyone sees. So if I make a mistake on this, it's really, it's, it's funny because you can really, you can really, like you said, it's hard to make them pretty, but yeah. it's easy to make a fly rod. And so, um, you know, I could really uh, make this ugly and 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 have the value be very very low, but still have a quality fly rod. Mm -hmm. That fish is just like a beautiful, perfect. This is a pair. This is called a Para 17, made by uh, Paul Young originally from here in Michigan, and it'll fish just like any other Para 17. But it, this one might be prettier than some and uglier than others. I don't know, um, but they'll all fish the same. But if you're yeah. putting that much time into it, you, you want it to, you know, be as pretty as possible. I'm sure you don't want to. Well, know. that's just it. You do. And and I, I, I struggle sometimes with my wraps because I get in a hurry because <laughs> I'm like, you're so close. And I'm like, I can't slow down and I got to take a deep breath. I struggle but, with my wraps because I can't see anymore. <laughs> yeah. And don't get old. There's nothing in it. Yeah. So, um, but it's, but that, yeah, that. You know, and and actually, there's even some fly rods now, and I and Ron's going to whop me in the back of the head, but I'll say it anyway. But you can, there's a company that's that's importing these that are having them made overseas for pretty reasonable prices. You can get a bamboo rod. I have seen those. Those are not bad. They're not bad they're rods, not bad. and they're 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 really they're decent quality. Yep. They got all the reports I I haven't seen one yet, but they're made in China. You know, some guys take taking this process that we just talked about. If I were to pick up my computer and show you my my shop over there, we could show you what a planning form looks like. But you know, he just took it to China, and then they just employ people, you know, for a lot less money exactly. to crank out rods. Yeah. And so, um, so I think those rods are like three or four hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, maybe not even that. So, but um, I don't think they use the same quality cane that we do. Well, yeah, the they're, they're cutting I, corners, obviously, but well, I don't. I'm not sure that it's it's Tonkin cane. <laughs> uh, but for three hundred, four hundred bucks, you got a bamboo fly rod and you can go fish them. And That's right. The ones I've cast were okay. Yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier, but like at some point, uh, I'm sure my casting ability falls off way faster than the quality of the rod. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I think if you had a split bamboo fly rod, you would learn to cast much quicker because you would be feeling what's going on. And you can't do that with graphite. When I teach casting, I tell people to either go out at night where they can't see or to close their eyes because fly casting is all feel. Where you point your thumb, that's where the line's gonna go. And if you can feel the line, you know what's going on. Uh, and what happens behind you is just as important as what happens in front of you. Mm -hmm. and, a, and a bamboo fly rod forces you to become a good caster. Well, because you really want to learn. It, it forces me to really think about casting because yes. I really want to, um, I want to build four different seven weight bamboo fly mm -hmm. rods on four different tapers and be able to figure out why they're different. 
And, um, and so, you know, without, without really, you know, having to really think about casting and, and, you know, you're just not going to get, I'm not going to be able to tell the difference between my four rods that I'm going to make. <laughs> there, there's rod maker gatherings. And because of the pandemic, we haven't had any this year, but you can go all over North America to these rod gatherings and there'll be 30 to a hundred uh, rod makers and rod collectors. And they'll have a rack of 50, 60, 70 rods. And you get to try all these different rods. And then when you go home, you have a feel for it. Um, there's a really good one in uh, Colorado oh, over near Silverton, over Crystal, okay. the Crystal River, I think it's called, but I'm not sure. But anyway, and then the Denver area has a whole bunch of good rod makers that'll take the time uh, to show you their stuff. I'll send you the link to the uh, classic fly rod yes. forum and, uh, and you can do what I did and just say, hey, new person here in Denver. Mm -hmm thinking about this and yeah, you'll, you'll find people. It's, it's, uh, like I said, it's a different era now. People are very much want to share the craft, uh, you know, and, and I know people that have, they just want to make one fly rod and one and done and yeah. you're there. That's good too. You know, I mean, when, uh, when you get a minute, go to my website, Alder Creek angling and, and give me a mailing address, send me an email and I'll send you some information, some books and stuff on it. All right. Sounds good. Well, guys, I've already taken up an hour of your time, but um, is there anything that I should have asked and didn't? Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of if I had anything else on my list and I can't think of anything, but I'm a little worried that I maybe missed something obvious that I just wouldn't know to ask having uh, no real experience with bamboo. All I would say is that, you know, trout live in beautiful places. That's the beauty of the sport, right? You know, you don't go to an ugly place to catch fish. And, you know, and if you're going to spend a lot of time and energy to go somewhere to go fishing, you know, it's kind of nice to have, you know, quality equipment to go mm -hmm. do it with. And, uh, um, you know, and when you get to be where you can only plan a few trips a year, cause you've got all kinds of other life obligations, you know, it's it, it, the cost, what seems high, you know, kind of starts not seeming that bad. Right. Because it's, you know, I mean, What's an, what's, you know, I keep picking on Orvis Helios rods. They could be any rod, a sage, whatever. Um, I was a sage snob for years, but I don't think I could buy a sage for under 800 bucks. Um, yeah. You can get good bamboo fly rods now for less than graphite. And that's strange. Um, I didn't know. realize that. I kind of assumed that they were, they were pretty much always top tier price wise. Well, one of the guys, he started sweet grass rods. What was his name? He was at Winston and went to sweet. He started sweet grass. Uh, I read an article with this guy and he said that if they're charging more than $1,500, they're ripping you off. That's right. Um, That's right. And because, There's you know, a, there is a snob effect. There is a snob there effect, a, yeah, you know, and, um, and, and you can get, you know, you can go over the top, you can get agate guides. So your stripping guide here, your first guide, right. Have, have an agate piece of stone in there, you know, and that those are, 60 bucks a piece, you know, then you can go for super fancy reel seats and inserts. And I mean, the sky's the limit. You want to put a mammoth ivory reel seat in, sure, $150, right? $3 a ring for cork. If you want floor plus plus, you know, maybe $5 a ring. You can get hand and engraved nickel silver there's reel a, seats. There's a guy that, yeah, there's a guy uh, in, in Georgia. What's his name? Um, shoot, it'll come to me, but he, yeah, he, he sells an engraved rod for $13,000. Yeah. So he does a, all this engraving on the, on the, they're on the gorgeous. nickel ferrule silver here and on the, on, and they're beautiful rods, but you know, it's at the end of the day, you know, it's, 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 what do you value? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's like cars, right? I mean, you can, you can spend a lot of money and you still get there and the Yugo will still get you there. But, you know, I think, yeah, we just got to get bamboo rod in your hand and then, you know, and uh, find find one of these gatherings as, you know, we all get COVID behind us. And I, I know the, the bamboo rod gatherer guys are just as anxious to get out and get out of the house. And um, there's actually a big uh, online uh, virtual rod gathering that happens every month. Yeah, and, it's on uh, um, January 30th. Yeah, January 30th. Yeah. I'll send you the link. Yeah. Um, and I'll get, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to send you an email and you'll have to get on, you'll have to get the link from them. Cause I don't run it, but um, 
you know, it's just all these guys and, and it's, it is a very male, uh, I won't, I won't, I won't say centric Not or dominated, <laughs> but there's some very, very, I mean, uh, talented women out there making, making fly rods, just really beautiful things, but it's still kind of an old guy with white hair beards like us. So <laughs> don't freak out if you go onto the, and you see all these white beards. Um, cause it's like a white beard club. I don't know. It's really yeah. weird, but um, it's a, it's a real cross section. Uh, it's a real cross section, but here's how I always wrap things up. Take a kid fishing. <laughs> that's a, that's a great message to end on. I like it. Well guys, uh, I, I really appreciate you guys take both taking the time and trying to walk me through something that's extremely hard to, to explain via audio, but you, you guys did a good job. So, so thank you. You're welcome. And good night. You, you know how to get a hold of me if you have any more questions. Yep. We'll do. And I'll, I'll be sharing all that stuff you shared in the, uh, in the show notes. So if people want to find those, those uh, rod meetups or anything else, um, I'll, I'll link to all that. So, but hope you guys have a good evening and I'll, I'll be in touch soon. All right. Good. Thank you. Be safe. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, remember to head over to the website fishuntamed.com for all episodes, show notes, blog posts, everything else. Uh, if you've got a minute or two, leave a rating or review on iTunes. And if you're looking for me on social media, you can find me at fishuntamed on Instagram or under my name, Katie Burgert on Go Wild. And that's all for this week, but I'll be back here in two weeks and I'll see you guys then. Bye, everybody.